Welcome back to Conversations for the Good. Hello, Dr. Jane. Good morning, Anna. How are you today? Well, I can't believe it's the end of November already. I, I mean, yeah. isn't, it, isn't it crazy? I mean, time just seems to be going by so fast. Yes, warp speed. <laughs> yes, warp speed for sure. Well, we had such a great conversation uh, last time looking at the qualities that make for healthy relationships, such as self-awareness, trust, respect, compassion, and open and honest communication, right? I mean, I think I, yeah. I, think I got them all. <laughs> I, think you, I think you did. Okay. Well, you really made it clear that these ingredients must begin with us, developing and operating from the best version of ourselves. Yet, what if others in our relationships don't share our commitment to live from the best and highest part of themselves? I was really thinking about this a lot this week, Dr. Jane. Uh, it can be like hitting a wall or even worse. What if others have a negative reaction to these positive personal changes that we hope to share with them? You know, well, Anna, clearly these are very real possibilities. So, you know, I think we need to take a look at, first of all, the various types of relationships and explore their dynamics. You know, relationships can be really a complex subject area. And for our purposes, I want to keep it simple, you know, really simplify the territory. I often think of, of three categories that divide people in our lives according to their importance to us. You know, we have acquaintances. We also have what I, I often call fair weather friends. Then clearly, I mean, we have our families and we also have true friends are those people who are closest to us, who are really our confidants. Well, I appreciate you simplifying the territory. You know, this sounds pretty straightforward. Well, you know, Anna, I hope so. You know, the snag often appears when someone, and we do this, we do this often when we wrongly categorize someone. So I think if we if we start by looking at what does it mean to have an acquaintance? You know, that's that that coworker or it could be that neighbor. I'd be with we exchange dialogue with them, maybe often, you know, but always on a very superficial level. You know, we're kind, we're courteous, maybe we share views on on um, you know, pop popular sporting events or comment about the weather, but it's all very surface information and opinions. You know, we share what what I often refer to as our public persona, that part of ourselves that that presents absolutely no risk in sharing. You know, and and so we feel no responsibility also to inquire about anything more about their life as well. So it, it's not likely that we'll be traveling with our acquaintances or expect them to have our back in tough times. And then we have um, what I refer to as fair weather friends, and these people are. Uh, folks who are with us for various stretches of our lives, usually when there's some kind of a, a mutual interest or cause that we're supporting, you know, they are they're, they're with us for the they're with us for the time being, but but not for the long haul. And once we leave the job or the neighborhood or that project or or complete that training program, we probably won't maintain contact with them. So often the relationship feels more substantial with these fair weather friends, certainly more than with acquaintances. Um, it's it's because we have a for a, the time being a shared purpose or goals in that time that we're together, um, 
And there may be also uh, a greater sense of emotional intimacy, like, you know, we might exchange more information about our lives or our dreams or even our aspirations. And we usually have each other's back, but it's only while we're together. You know, I, I, I remember, you know, um, having wonderful Fairweather friends when I was in graduate school, you know, also during internships and on various jobs on my career path. But it always happened that when the terms of the commitment or assignment were completed, we all moved on. Oh, yes. I, I think we can all relate. You know, the people that we have known work side by side with and then go our separate ways. No one did anything wrong. It's like the clock ran out and we say goodbye. You know, sometimes thinking that we'll stay in touch, but it doesn't last. Well, that's right. That's right. You know, and the only difficulty is that if we've overestimated our importance with either our acquaintances or our fair weather friends, we might feel, oh, I don't know, like baffled or hurt when they leave and, and don't look back. Well, Dr. Jane, I can understand how one or the other might perceive a closeness or intimacy that is not experienced by the other friend and then feels abandoned when their friend is unwilling to reciprocate. Well, let's face it, you know, as we're developing these relationships, um, there's an awful lot that goes unsaid. And so we interpret according to our past experiences and our backstory. It's all, you know, in our thinking and our feelings. We're always making assumptions and many times we fail to check it out, you know? So is the acquaintance or the friend experiencing, you know, the connection we're feeling in the same way, you know? And, and sometimes, you know, we don't want to check it out because we don't want to appear too, you know, to be too intense, you know? So we just kind of follow what seems like a natural, natural flow, yet you know, Anna, you know, and our, our minds are always at work creating stories oh, of yes, what is. someone else is <laughs> thinking, you know, or feeling or intending, you know, and Fairweather friend, you know, I, I call that, that individual Fairweather because we rely on them in good times, but not necessarily when the chips are down, you know, and, and this never develops into an issue or conflict unless one or the other Fairweather friend misinterprets the relationship. Oh, this really requires the qualities we talked about in our last conversation. You know, the, the self-awareness, self-trust, self-compassion, self-respect, and, and open and honest communication. And also a truckload of acceptance, you know, <laughs> <laughs> because accepting where others are, you know, with their, with their gifts and also the limitations is also imperative. You know, it's always about owning our reactions owning our assumptions, our assumptions and interpretations, you know, and knowing that others can only be where they are as well. So many of our expectations, you know, our lack of expectations are tied to our past, our early conditioning, our life experiences, you know, what we received early on and what we continue to seek in our connection with others. Well, the backstory is always part of the weave in life. So what about the true friend and confidence? Well, these are the friends who are with us for the long haul, Anna. You know, in good times, bad times, and in messy times, they're always willing to champion for us and, and us for them as well. You know, we experience their unconditional love, and it's a mutual phenomenon. And we can express ourselves openly and honestly, knowing that we'll never be judged. So we're, we're feeling truly seen and heard, sometimes for the first time in our lives. 
And this kind of trust is so solid that we can be who we are with all our, as I like to say, with all our warts and foibles without fear or reservation. These are the friends who support us as we seek to live more consistently from the best and highest part of ourselves. And, and, we're, and, and we're very supportive of them as well. So it's mutual and reciprocal. What an amazing experience to have with another, you know, so nourishing, Dr. Jane. And I think it also enables us to be more of who we are, the best version of ourselves, if we have someone cheering us on, don't you think? Oh, Anna, you are so right about that. And then there's family, Dr. Jane. <laughs> well, 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 yes, so family. <laughs> yes. You know, and this is a whole arena unto itself, you know, because Anna, there are some families that are inordinately close to each other, you know, parents, children, you know, siblings, you know, and then there are other families where maybe it's just the siblings are, are tight knit or uh, where we find a lot of solidarity. <clears throat> Pardon me. And, and in other systems, family systems, you know, the closeness may be experienced between sub some siblings and not others, you know, and, and there are families that have never experienced any kind of emotional connection. And then we also have another category of families, and they operate in ongoing contentious connections, you know, uh, without any desire to, to resolve or, or um, a change the conflict. You know, the key is if you want healthy family relationships, you have to, over the long haul, make family a priority and provide quality time and live from the five ingredients that we talked about that nourish healthy relationships, that self-awareness and the trust, the respect, the compassion, and the open, honest communication. Pretty straightforward. Right, right. And these all begin with us. You know, mm -hmm. the relationship can only be as healthy as we're willing to be healthy ourselves. Exactly. Healthy connections always start at home. That's always starts with us, Anna. You're absolutely right. You know, so therefore, when, when we look at self-awareness, it has to come first. This, this component, this ingredient has to be first on the list because our knee-jerk reaction is so often to blame and project onto others. You know, it's kind of like, you know, if they just get themselves together and change, then things would, would be different and, and I would do things differently or I'd be okay. And yet in reality, it doesn't work like that. We need to work to be the best version of ourselves and, and bring that to every situation, not because we like it, are not even because we're going to get what we want. You know, we show up because it's the right thing to do. And, and just because someone else is not operating from their best self is no excuse for us to regress. Well, I know where you're coming from, but clearly that's a tough call. And it takes a lot of practice staying present, especially since most of us have decades of being triggered by the antics of family members. Uh, but I hear what you're saying, and I'm, I'm willing to stay in my self-awareness, self-trust, self-respect, self-compassion, and open, honest communication. You know, Anna, and the key is practice. We, we keep going back to that practice, practice, practice. You know, so let's talk about additional things we might do to nourish our family relationships. You know, there's no room to take our families for granted. You know, if, if we want healthy relationships, you know, we want to be present involved, loving, and enthusiastic. So let's just consider some things, you know, like have to plan some fun activities. You know, 
you know, be it, keep it simple and, and inclusive, but include everybody. You know, everybody can be part of the fun. You know, and it's also about living in gratitude and sharing our appreciation openly, even for the little things, and showing up for each other. You know, life takes many turns, and we need each need each other when things are going well, but also when difficulties hit. And then there's that practicing effective communication. You know, we talked last time about open, honest communication, being transparent and both expressing ourselves, but also being an active listener, you know, not talking over people or interrupting others. You know, obviously this needs to be age appropriate, you know, because a lot of us have young family members. So we want them to be included as well. It was also about expressing interest in each other, you know, and being curious and willing to support exploration of different ideas and dreams. You know, and for family members who live at a distance, it's also an imperative that we make time for regular contact. And one of the things I find is it's so important not to keep score regarding who initiates the contact. You know, so it's not about saying, well, it's not my turn. I call all the time and I'm not doing it again. You know, just be open. You love them. You want contact. Do it. Keep our hearts open. That's the key. And be willing to take responsibility for, you know, any indiscretions or, or errors or mishaps that we might be responsible for. We also, also need to be anchored in living from acceptance. You know, this isn't agreement necessarily. You know, it, it's a letting go of trying to control or convince anyone, you know, anyone else of, of doing something our way. And then also it's about forgiveness, Anna, you know, relinquishing the grievance grievances because this is what really sets us free and allows us to open our hearts. These are all great suggestions. And, uh, but what about when family refuses to cooperate? Well, you know, as we've said before, we can't change people, places, and things. And when all else fails, we sometimes find that we need to step away and establish new boundaries. You know, it's a hard choice. And there are huge discrepancies between the family ideal and the family in real time. You know, there can be a huge gap. You know, I personally believe that every family has its own level of dysfunction. You know, certain attitudes or behaviors that really call for revisions or improvements. You know, but then there can also be more toxic dynamics. And in any case, there will always be differing levels of self-awareness and commitment to change. So as the dysfunction increases, the likelihood of effective communication decreases. And so it's avoided. And, and this really puts emotional safety at risk. It's dangerous in the family. Yes, well, this makes a lot of sense, Dr. Jan, and I think we expect more from our families out of our love and attachment to them, and when they don't deliver it, it can hit us hard. Uh, most of us have experienced this at some point, and, but what about, you know, I, but I think what you're pointing out is now that, is that there are families that are more than a little dysfunctional, right? Some may put family right. members right. at emotional risk or maybe even physical risk. That's exactly right, Anna. You know, it generally falls on a continuum from mild to moderate to severe, to, to severe um, dysfunction. So let's just check out a few very basic categories that feed toxicity, you know, a little or a lot. You know, first of all, we, we have communication. You know, when verbal exchanges 
lead to excessive anger, fighting, or violence. You know, this is key. You know, this is toxic. Or when family members are shunned or ignored. You know, the, also the excessive use of criticism and judgment, you know, so that, that family members feel that no matter what they do, it's never enough. Or there's a constant comparing, you know, of different family members to each other or to people outside the family, you know, where there's a lack of privacy and boundaries, you know, people getting into each other's um, phones or emails and, and without permission, you know, or excessive control over the use of time or, or excessive control over, you know, how different family members connect with others, along with a, a lack of, of uh, willingness to compromise. And then there are also conditions like untreated addictions or mental illness and also, also contribute to toxicity. And any kind of physical, verbal, or emotional abuse or violence or neglect also contribute to oftentimes severe toxicity. So how can we stay healthy ourselves in, in any of those conditions? Well, that's exactly the point, Anna. And, you know, as I said a moment ago, you know, we can't change others. So everyone involved must be committed to the change process, which can be slow and arduous. You know, and sometimes, as I said, we have to step away. But change is a slow process. So for this reason, many people look for, you know, any kind of longitudinal change um, by seeking professional help. You know, new directions very often cannot be heard or received from other family members. So having an outside expert can be a useful method to get things launched, change launched. You know, common suggestions often include setting new boundaries, you know, and sometimes this means more space from the relationship, um, which then, you know, has to be enforced and, and respected. You know, and sometimes the family situation is so toxic that interactions need to be curtailed or even severed. And this can can set up emotional or physical, um, can be set up on an, an emotional or physical basis. You know, it's about safeguarding the safety and well-being of everyone involved. You know, it's it's also about setting um, setting it up so we can regularly check our expectations, you know, and be realistic. This may be something as simple as knowing that there's some conflict or some pull for conflict for conflict, you know, that's inevitable in every every time we're with a family, you know, and, and it's, we can't expect our families to meet our emotional needs if they're not able to, you know, so he is fill your emotional tank elsewhere, you know, <laughs> so you're full when you get there and, and stay aware, stay awake and aware, you know, we're familiar with the family dynamic, so don't bite the bait, steer clear of potential conflict. You know, and sometimes we have to let conflicts go. You know, we have to kind of assume that whatever attitude, you know, and this might mean that we spend a limited time with toxic family members or or sometimes we might have a friend or a non-family member, you know, accompany us to a family event just to act as a buffer. And it's always about limiting alcohol consumption because this weakens our filtering system and our defenses so we're more likely to be reactive. You know, and Anna, sometimes we have to just know when to step away or leave the situation entirely. But it's also about avoiding the, the victim mentality. You know, we have to be doing our own work, committed to our own work, recognizing and investing and nurturing our mind, body, and spirit. You know, and this includes consistent self-care and identifying what are my emotional and social needs, you know, and learning 
learning to, to own and regulate our reactivity through mindful awareness. So oftentimes it's about seeking help and mentoring to live more consistently from our best and highest selves and committing daily to this path, the best version of ourselves through practice and self-discovery and also doing the inner work. Dr. Jane, these are such powerful suggestions, but I've got to be honest, it makes me feel so very sad that some of us must deal with these realities. I want to believe that we're all capable of change, improving ourselves, our lives, and healing the wounds of the past and preventing those injuries in the present and future. I feel kind of like a, a foolish dreamer when I hear myself say this. Oh, but Anna, you know, we all, we really all need dreamers. We do. We need to have people who are willing to hold this, this ideal, who believe change is possible, that healing is possible, that having a kind and loving world is possible. You know, we need people like you, Anna, you know, and then, and then we have to, to really commit to bringing the dream or the ideal into form by learning how to take the, the possibility uh, and make it, make it a reality. You know, so we have to learn none of the kind of the, the nuts and bolts. You know, it's up to each of us to create it, you know, starting with ourselves. You know, and it's about creating and living from that best version of ourselves and being mindful, using the mindful awareness that brings us into the present moment so that we can observe what's happening in our own thoughts, in our own feelings, in our own body sensations, so that we can learn the intricacies of our reactivity and increase our capacity to self-regulate and actively make new choices, conscious choices. And this rewires the brain so that we can live more fully one day at a time. Well, that's why we're here, right? <laughs> that's we're the, here, Anna. Yeah, that's the stuff Conversations for the Good is made of and always bringing us back to the path to live more consistently from our best and highest self for the greater good of all. I'm with you, Anna. I'm with you and we're so grateful for you, Dr. Jane. Thank you. Until our next conversation. <laughs>